Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I've become accustomed to good service. That's because I've been in the States for the past couple of weeks. And so service is generally good there. So you can imagine when I turned up to my local cafe to prep for the message this week, I was a little bit perturbed. Um, a little bit agitated, frustrated because this young girl almost totally disregarded uh, me being there. In fact, um, the guy who was the barista had to serve me because uh, she was like lying down near the cabinet, just shaking her head the whole time, um, didn't even acknowledge me when, when I came in. And I, and I had to say to him, is she all right? And he said, yeah, don't worry about her. She's waiting for her HSC results. <laughs> And then for the next um, 15 or 20 minutes as I was prepping, um, she was just pacing back, uh, backwards and forwards between the coffee machine and out the back. And I could hear her muttering under her breath, I can't take this, I can't take this. And then, and then um, the barista's trying to make her feel better by every person that walked in saying, when was the last time that you did your HSC? And, and do you think it really matters anymore? And people say, oh, it doesn't matter. And I'm thinking, for a poor young girl that spent the last six months, 12 months of her life studying, I'm sure she would have loved every resident of East Ride telling her that it doesn't matter, particularly when uh, she was aiming for 96 and so nine o'clock comes, the whole cafe is, is leaning in, the whole cafe can't wait to see what the result is. And then as it hits nine o'clock, I literally put down the Bible, shut the laptop, we're all waiting for this to happen. And then she says, oh, the app's not working. <sighs> 10 minutes go past, the app's not working. 9.15 hits, the moment is finally there where I have to pick up my laptop and go. And so I never found out whether she got... <laughs> oh, the power of anticipation. We feel more emotional about this girl's HSC results than we have perhaps about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Saviour. Mainly because what we have all just felt in that moment is the power of anticipation. We felt that moment of, of desperately longing for a result, for an answer, for something that you've been hanging out for. And as I was prepping this passage this morning, Matthew chapter 1, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. I realized that's, that's not just how the birth of Jesus came about in Bethlehem. We've been learning the last three weeks that the birth of Jesus came about not through a couple who were about to have a baby, but from a couple who wondered if they could ever have a baby 2,000 years before Jesus was ever on the scene in Abraham. And so you can imagine, take this HSC girl's anticipation. That is what the Jewish people felt day after day after day, year after year after year. Is, have we got it yet? Is it coming yet? Is it happening yet? Is it all of these years of silence with them longing for this response? Can you imagine what they would have felt? That's how we all feel thinking about a young girl's HSC results. And that is the level of, of anticipation and longing that pressures in after 2,000 years that, that precedes this simple verse that many of us write, just read over this time of year. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. We've learned in this series that, uh, that Christmas, the season of Christmas is not just another holiday. It's a holiday that the, the world needed. It's a holiday that God needed, as Emily showed us last week, because only through Christmas can God demonstrate his love. And what we want to look at this morning is this, that this may well be the holiday that you need. Probably not in the way that you think, but it's the holiday that you may well need. Because I want to ask you this morning, do you, 
see this Christmas season as just another holiday? Or what if, what if this is the one rest that you've been longing for, waiting for, for years? And so this morning we will look through both the problem of holidays, why this particular holiday is different, and how you go on this holiday. Uh, the problem with holidays, anyone here feel like they need a holiday? Yes. <laughs> yep. There's a few... Not these guys, a few down the front here. These, these guys have been in Fiji for the past week. They don't need a holiday. They're already feeling refreshed. But, uh, but many of us this time of year feel like this is the time that we need a, a holiday. And what is it with Christmas? Have you found that, that Christmas seems to be one of those holidays that, that you just come away out of the holiday feeling more exhausted at the end of the holiday than when you went into the holiday? Um, for many of us, it's a time of deep stress and strain as we think about our family members that uh, we've got to deal with or be with that are always inherently tricky and we don't see them all year. Or on the other end of the spectrum, we're desperately longing to be with family members and we're not. And we would love them for them to be around our table. Have you found it's that time of year where we're stressed about the presents and the finances? And Sometimes I get through Christmas thinking, I just need a holiday from the holiday. Or maybe you've had those sorts of holidays like Kristen and I have just had where we realised it was a true holiday after three, four, five, maybe six years, right, hun, that we've been away for two weeks without the kids. And so we, we've come back um, feeling more refreshed than we ever have been in that moment because anyone who's been a parent with younger kids and had that privilege realises that holidays in this season of life for us are just, just basically the same old life in another location, <laughs> You just bring all of that with you and I'd suggest to us that you don't need to have kids to have that problem with holidays like that. All of us are taking something into our holiday break. All of us are taking something that exhausts us into our holiday break. And I would suggest to you this morning that anyone who thinks that you can be fully rested just by taking a holiday is being horribly naive. <laughs> You felt this. You see some people, they're on their mobile phones on beaches in Indonesia. And if you're not on the phone, you're thinking about the phone call that you would be having on your phone because your spouse told you to turn it off and you can't pick it up. Right? We've, we've felt that. You see, a holiday is not just a holiday. There's something underneath that we need rest from. And I think we're going to ask the question, why would that be? And we have to look at our modern situation. I think this day and age, there is... There's never been so much psychological pressure for our work to be fulfilling. Uh, you, look, you look back over the years, a lot of researchers will tell you that uh, traditional societies, your role was primarily based around your role in the family and the societal role that you played. So work was never an issue for people back then. But these days... Uh, there is an incredible pressure on your work when you, when you do a particular job. People ask you when you go out for drinks or you're with a friend or you're out and about. People say, what do you do? And, it's, and so as a result, our work is becoming the primary means of our identity. And so there's never been so much pressure to get your work right. We're the first culture in history to be doing this. And that's why um, one writer, Judith Shulovitz, said this uh, when the Sabbath, when rest was still sacred, not only did drudgery give way to festivity and family gatherings and occasional worship, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling, and here it is, the eternal murmur of self-reproach. Stilling the eternal murmur of self-reproach. What is that? 
It's a thing underneath us all. And Emily alluded to this last week in the way that Christmas, Jesus solves this problem. The inner murmur of self-reproach is that insatiable need to prove ourselves primarily to ourselves or to other people, right? And so the thing that many of us need a holiday from is not our location. We need a holiday from ourselves. We need a deep rest that, that is a rest from the work that is underneath the work, that constant churning, the constant machine that is the reason why we feel so overworked, why we feel stressed, why we feel anxious. Because if we dare to look at ourselves deep enough, doesn't matter whether you're a 35 or you're 85, there is something within the human heart that is constantly saying, am I good enough? Have I done enough? So we need like a REM sleep. You know what REM sleep is? You know, the, the doctors have done that research to say that it's not about how much sleep you get, about the quality of the sleep that you get. I always like to tell Kristen, for me, it's both. It's just a, it's a condition for me. I need both a lot of sleep and good sleep without being right. I just couldn't help it. It's how I've been wired. But REM, REM sleep is, is that deep sleep that you have. If you can get that deep sleep, then, then sometimes it's, it's not a matter of how much sleep you get. And what I'm getting at here is that you need a, you need a, a, a REM holiday. You need rest from the things that are churning deep underneath you. That's the problem with holidays. Just taking a holiday is not going to fix it for you. There is a deep restlessness in all of us that we are trying to work out. And the problem is we need a deep spiritual rest. And so here's the good news. Here's the good news of Christmas. Here it is. Verse 21, the antidote for it all. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the crickets as well. So, rip, 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 rip. Yeah, some of you are thinking, huh? <laughs> how, how, does that, how does that relate to my work? Some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, you didn't go there, did you, at Christmas time? There's so many other good verses we could use. Why are we talking about this one? Uh, or you could have my reaction that when I come home from holidays and I look at the planning sheet for preaching, that's the verse I get. I go, that's the verse I get for Christmas. Awesome. So he, will, he will save people from their sins. That's my verse for Christmas. Fantastic. What a great job. Um, would it surprise you that the first century people would have felt exactly the same way when they heard this? <laughs> uh, the people that Jesus came to to save, when they heard this, would be saying, sins, really? Like, let's go, back to, let's go back to the name Jesus. We're up for that. That sounds fantastic. Now, you need a little bit of side Bible work to understand why that would be so significant because Jesus is uh, the English translation of the Greek word eusis, uh, which, because there, there wasn't a J in that language there, which is also a translation of the Hebrew word Yeshua. Uh, which is, is the original name for Jesus in the Hebrew. And so you'll hear it around church. You know, Esteemed Christians will often use the word Yeshua and you think they're sneezing, but they're not. Uh, they're, they're just being very deep and biblical. Uh, but Yeshua was actually the shortened version of the name Joshua. In fact, it was like the Hebrew version of saying Josh. So basically, uh, the, the God says to the angel, and you will call him Joshi. <laughs> And why that was so significant that he would be called Joshi is because everyone in the Bible knew who Joshi was. Joshi was the child warrior. Joshi was the young one under Moses that grew up under him. Moses was the one that made everyone wander. Joshua was the one that made everyone win. 
He was this warrior. And so you will give him the name Saving Warrior. That's what it meant. They said, yeah, awesome. That's exactly what we need. Who will save the world from their sins? And and so... And so Joseph and the people would be saying, Angel, you, you sort of haven't, you haven't got this quite right. Like, you sort of don't understand. Don't you see the economic situation that we're in at the moment? Hello? Like, don't you see the political situation we're in at the moment? Like, if we need saving, we need more warrior, less theology. More warrior, less theology. Like, and, and, and besides, Angel, we've already got a sin-saving system. It's called the temple and we do it so well, and we give up sacrifices, and God forgives us, and we do wrong things, and give up a sacrifice, and God, we, like we've got this down pat, like of all the nations, angel, we Jews know what we're doing, we've got this whole sin-saving thing down, we're cool, we're fine, we're, it's good. So can you see how that is, that is not, a, that's not a glorious message for a first century Jew? He will save the people from their sins. They're saying, we don't, we don't need this. They're saying, look, in 20 generations' time, don't you know that there will be, you know, we've got Abraham and 20 generations from him, there will be another Abraham, Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs and he'll do this little pyramid and I don't see sin in the pyramid anywhere. <laughs> Most of all, they say, you know who needs saving? The Romans. So the Romans need saving. It's like compared to them, you know, we, we, we look amazing compared to them. Save them from their sins, not us. And so as a result, the first century people just went, Meh. yeah. We think that this message just explodes the minute they hear this. Um, they, they didn't feel, there was, it wasn't scratching an itch for them. It wasn't addressing their felt needs, which were economic and political. Could I suggest to us that maybe some of the reasons why Christmas is not so on your knees Falling to the ground, emotional, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. The reason why we don't feel the joy of Christmas, the reason why we don't feel the power of verses like that is because we're exactly like those first century people. We hear this and we go, meh. It doesn't scratch our itch. I think maybe because of that word sins, and that has been a word that, look, I'll be the first one to say the church has mucked up over the years. But I say it time and time and time again in this place Mainly because I don't get it. And if I don't get it, then maybe you maybe not get it. But sin is never just about bad deeds. Sin, when you look at how the Bible defines it, is about building an identity on something other than God. And so when we re-slot this definition into that, we often hear straight away, we hear he will save people from the bad things they do. He will save people from the little white lies that they tell. He will save people from their criminality. And we hear all those things and think that doesn't apply to me. And so we go, Meh. but hey, let me do this. Let me, sub, let me sub this in. Let me translate, retranslate this obscure verse. What if we said his name is Jesus and he will save the world from the human instinct to think that the world revolves around you. Is that a modern day problem that needs fixing? Well, let me put it this way. His name will be Jesus and he will save you from the need to prove yourself to yourself and to others. Did I just hear you all exhale? You did, you did. I just heard you do that. Don't shake your head. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. I, just, I heard us all subconsciously go, 
Now we're addressing the felt need. His name is Jesus and he will rescue you from the need to prove yourself to yourself. That's the problem that we need addressing. That is the holiday that we really need, not from the work itself, but from the reasons why we work so hard, the reasons why we're so anxious, the reasons why we're so driven. So the question is, how do we get over this? And we go to back a bit in the verse where it says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, angel talking to Joseph, God talking to Joseph through the angel. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now again, anyone who's had the benefit of being a parent realizes that this is one of the most special moments of your life. One of the most special, one of the most tense moments of your life. That is deciding on a name for your child. And so you go through all the different lists, you know, Olivia and Maddox and Charlotte. And, and if you're the modern day person, you look up all the lists on what the really popular names are this year or last year. And then, uh, and then you just go back a couple of years so your name doesn't look as popular, but it's still top five. You just want to make sure it's up there. <laughs> Joseph doesn't get that. Joseph doesn't get to look through the lists of baby names, top 10 Jewish baby names since Abraham. He doesn't get to do that sort of stuff. Because God says to the angel, this is what you're going to call your kid. It's your kid from the Holy Spirit. This is what you're going to call him. Here's what it's saying to us. He names others. You don't name him. He is the one who names others. You don't name him. We see that in one of his stories in John chapter 1. There's a guy called Simon and he renames him, doesn't he? He calls him Peter, Rocky. Went from being Reedy to Rocky. Jesus says, hang out with me long enough. I will transform you. Uh, what the angel's saying to Joseph here in this situation is, don't think that you're the boss of this kid. This kid's going to be the boss of you in due course and from a universal perspective. In other words, here is what Christmas shows us. If you haven't worked it out, I'm, I'm really into this app at the moment too, by the way, as a side note called Blinkist. I don't like to read all that much other than my Bible. But um, I, Blinkist is this summary of, of all of these great books that you can have in like 15-minute summaries. And so, and so here we get here the Blinkist summary of the entire Bible in this passage here. And here it is. If you haven't heard it, I've shared it before. What the, what the angel is saying to Joseph and all of us that listen into this story through this is, the message of Christmas is this. There is a God... And you're not it. <laughs> That's the summary of the Bible. If you want to go to work tomorrow and say, you learned, I've, 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 learned, I've learned the summary of the entire Bible. What is it? There is a God. You're not it. When, when Joseph is the one that doesn't get to name his own child with Mary, it shows us something about the order of priority here. Dallas Willard said, For a heart to be radically lost, it's made me God instead of God, God. And by the way, too, when you understand this inclination of the human heart to want to be God, that's how we, how we define sin, remember, not as bad deeds, but as that desire to want to be God and run the world. I don't know about you, but I've found it's exhausting work. It's exhausting work worrying about trying to control a whole lot of uncontrollable things. Anyone ever feel that? It gets very, very tiring. And so a Christian, the great news of Christmas is a Christian doesn't carry this unseen burden of trying to conform the world to themselves. 
They don't carry the burden of trying to order every part of their life. They don't carry the burden of trying to be God because there is a God and you're not it. <laughs> it's not only exhausting, but the heart that is constantly focused and left to focus in on itself and left to influence multiple relationships will result ultimately in a, in a system that always ends up in dislocation, disorientation, and disintegration. We've seen that. Let's just talk about it practically. Have you ever done much life with someone who thinks they're God? They're not fun to be around, are they? And so the great message of Christmas, first and foremost, is there is a God and you're not it, which means in simple terms, not that you need feel condemned. It means you just don't worry. The great news is don't worry. He's, last time I checked, he's still got the whole world in his hands. We sing that as kids and yet we forget it as adults. But here's the second promise and the second gift from Christmas is that Jesus has come to set you free, not just forgive you. I think we read that first verse and uh, that, uh, that he will come to, we don't read save the world from their sins, we read he's come to forgive the world of their sins. And if we read that verse the wrong way, then all that ever does is, oh, I mucked up, but God forgives me. I mucked up, but God forgives me. I mucked up, but God forgives me. And when it says that Jesus has come to save, to rescue the world from their sins, from their desire to be God, from their insatiable drive to prove themselves to them, themselves, then Jesus comes to set you free. You see, the real problem is someone or something always will have a mastery over you. Now, Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody. You might like to sing. You might like to dance. You might be a king or an ambassador to France, but you're going to serve somebody you're going to serve somebody. And we know this instinctively, whether on one hand for Christians, it's Jesus Christ. On the other hand, uh, in the secular world, the non-Christian world, it's a whole range of things that we could serve. Your work, money, your dream board. But those things, those things that we think that we have to have in order to be someone, those things, what the Bible is saying to us, are, always has a mastery over, over us. And if it's a master over us, guess what we are? Slaves. And so there is a slavery attached to this mastery. And in some respects, it's a weird way to think about it, but there's a slavery here to the person of Jesus Christ. And yet it's this master that comes along and says, like John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And then to the Samaritan woman, John 4.13, he says, Everyone who drinks this well of water will never be thirsty again, but will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Is it just me or does that sound bigger than forgiveness? Jesus Christ has come not just to forgive you. He's done that. He has forgiven you. But he's come to liberate you. Not liberate you necessarily from the presence of sin in life. We all struggle with that. But from the mastery of sin in life. This is not the thing that controls me. And so many people think, well, I've got to give up something in order to follow Jesus Christ. But you've got to give up things in order to follow that dream board or the goals or the standards that you set for yourself. Either way, you're going to become a slave to something. And the question is, which slave are you going to be? More importantly, which master that you are under is going to liberate you, not crush you? 
Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. The message of Christmas is you can have a new master, not the law of God, not the law of your dream board, but the spirit of God within you. Jesus is the savoring warrior because he has the power to liberate you from the burden, the burden of running your own life. And when you do that, you move into a story and adventure that is so much bigger than you. You finally have objectives that are literally worth dying for. I, I don't know where you'd be at. What are you living for? What do you want your tombstone to read? Oh, she, she had great teeth. <laughs> I've come to give you life so you had life to the full. That's the beauty of Christmas. Anyone who's a Christian has had the courage to recognize that there is a God and I'm not it. And, 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 and as they delve down into the inevitable depths of part of that realization and the possible self-esteem crushing moment that that is, they are then lifted into the reality of a savior and of a master that calls these slaves, but as we heard last week, slaves now that says, come under my mastery, I'll make you a son, a child, you'll inherit all of this and I've come to liberate you. So you can live the life that I have destined and created you for. So the big question for you this Christmas is this. What is going to master you? Because what masters you will determine whether or not this holiday season for you is one of drivenness, of anxiety, of burden, of trying to run your world. Or you can give up early and avoid the rush. And bring your life through faith under the mastery of Jesus Christ so that he can take you and continue to craft you into all that he is destined to be. The truth and the promise of Christmas this morning is this. That sin is not your master. Anger is not your master. Lust is not your master. Alcohol is not your master. Your habits is not your master. Low self-esteem is not your master. All of these things are subordinated. They're not necessarily rid of instantly in in your life when you give it to Jesus Christ, but they are subordinated to the great master who will have power and dominion over those things and bring you to a fullness and a wholeness that anyone who is a Christian is constantly rediscovering whether they're beginning their journey or they've been on it for 25 years. Our deep challenge, Christians, is whether or not we're going to allow Christmas just to pass us by again. To hear a verse like this, he'll save people from their sins and go, hmm, heard that. But enter into the life-changing reality of the, of the beautiful dominion that he has over each and every one of us that are called his children. So who needs Christmas? Is it just another holiday? The world needed it. God needed it to demonstrate his love for us, as we heard last week. But who, who needs Christmas? Anyone who needs to be saved from the need to be their own boss. And when you are saved from that, you can come out of that exhausting cycle of trying to prove yourself to yourself and to other people. Maybe, just maybe, that is the sort of holiday that you need this season. I pray it is. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.